Don't Smile Before Christmas, part two. By and large, it worked. He carried on in the same vein with the rest of his classes while slipping into his new stony-faced persona with 8Y4. In the very first lesson after the half-term holiday, there was a flicker of resistance, led, of course, by the hateful Gabriel Rimmon. When the full might of the senior leadership was rolled onto their lawns, he and the rest of the class appeared to recognise that resistance was futile. With an unspoken sign to the others, a look, a raised eyebrow, they knuckled under and submitted to Ed's harsh regime. But what should have heralded relief and self-congratulation instead provoked a new kind of anxiety. His lessons with 8Y4 immediately settled into a pattern of sullen silence. No questions were ever asked. No answers to Ed's questions were ever given, save, I don't know, sir, or, I'm sorry, I'm not sure, sir. He felt like the brutal overseer on a slave plantation, faced with forced compliance and averted eyes. And in every lesson, at some point, he would look up and see Gabriel staring at him from the back row, his face fixed and expressionless. He'd wait until he caught Ed's eye, hold the stare for 30 seconds, and then look back down at his work. He didn't tell anyone about this new turn of events. The silence that seeped into the corridor outside his room confirmed for everyone the success of Ed's new approach, and he received congratulations and quiet words of encouragement from his colleagues. Jim winked at him and patted him on the back as they passed. Told you, didn't I? Well done, lad. Well done, he said quietly. He didn't have the heart to tell anyone about his worries. And what was he worried about exactly? What would he actually say to anyone? My lessons with 8Y4 are a nightmare. They're just too quiet. Everyone would think he was just showing off. He came close after one particularly disturbing incident in early December. It was the same lesson again, last period on Friday afternoon, cold and raw, with the yellow classroom lights blazing out into the dark winter sky. The class were queuing outside the room when Ed arrived. Normally this would require at least 30 seconds of imposing order before letting them in, their wait for the teacher having generated scuffles and shouts. But on this occasion, Ed was astonished to turn the corner and find them queuing in a perfect straight line in silence. At the head of the line was Gabriel, smirking. He unlocked the classroom door and ushered them in with some words of praise. Come in quietly, please, year eight. Excellent orderly queuing, by the way. Well done. He stood in the doorway and the students passed him one at a time. 
Gabriel, the first to enter, looked up at him as he passed, and his face broke into a radiant smile that lasted for a fraction of a second before his features reassembled themselves into their customary blank mask of passive aggression. Every other student did exactly the same thing, beaming a brief flicker of a smile before taking up their positions, standing behind their chairs. Okay, good afternoon, Year 8. Uh, sit down, please. Get your equipment out. No one moved. Ed's eyes flicked around the room. You sit down, please. Books, pens and planners out as usual. Again, they did not stir. And Gabriel, on the back row by the aisle, stepped sideways till he was alone at the back between the two ranks of tables, staring out to the front. Ed licked his lips nervously and twiddled his board pen. Everyone else remained in their positions, staring impassively forward. The silence in the room grew oppressive. Ed shook himself and was about to raise his voice and demand that they sit down, and Gabriel suddenly smiled a broad open smile, the overhead strip lighting flashing on the enamel of his teeth. The lighting suddenly dimmed as if there'd been a power surge and his eyes seemed to go blank. In the gloom they appeared to glow an icy blue. All of the other students, still standing like statues in their ranks, all broke into the same smile in unison, and their eyes too took on an awful blue blankness. Ed's legs began to tremble, and he felt a wave of pressure in the air, the silence and the smiles all pressing down on him. He felt for the edge of his desk and managed to lower himself into his seat, before his legs gave way. Immediately, all of the children sat down in silence and began to fumble in their bags for their equipment. And almost as soon as it began, it was over. Ed carried on with his lesson as normal and could not remember anything that had happened, save for a non-specific sense of foreboding and a nagging worry that something strange had just occurred, but the needs of the lesson overtook him and he put it to the back of his mind. And that would have been the end of it, except that when everyone had left, whooping down the corridor ready for the weekend, Ed, as always, scoured the classroom clearing books and sheets of paper that had been abandoned on tables. When he got to the back of the room, he stopped at Gabriel's table. There, in black biro on the desk, was a scrawled message that read simply, Don't smile until Christmas. He stared at it, open-mouthed. The next week, when he challenged Gabriel about it, he simply said, Oh, yes, sir, that was there at the beginning of the lesson, sir. I told you about it, but you never answered. Ed mumbled something in reply and swiftly moved the conversation on, but the doubts remained, eating away at him. By the time they'd got to the penultimate week before Christmas, he'd managed to almost forget his unease. AY4 had continued their campaign of grumpy resistance, 
but without giving any concrete reason to complain. His thoughts turned to the Christmas holiday, an unbearably delicious prospect of sleeping in and time to himself. His flatmates, annoyingly well-paid corporate lawyers, had already left for two weeks of sun in Barbados, and his mother, after much reassurance from Ed, was going to spend Christmas in Singapore with Frank, a man she had met on a saga cruise back in March. The thing is, Edward, Frank is very nice. I really rather like him, but I don't like to think of you being on your own at Christmas, she had said during one of his weekend trips back home. Ed had rolled his eyes. Mum, I'll be fine, honestly. You go and enjoy yourself. I'm planning to spend Christmas with Emma. Her eyes narrowed. Emma? I didn't know all that was back on. Are you sure, Edward, after what happened last time? Nothing's back on, Mum. Not even fully sorted out yet. I'll be fine, whatever happens with Emma. But he hadn't quite sorted it all out. His first few attempts at meeting up again over Christmas were received coolly, so he filed it away in the back of his mind as something to deal with as soon as this mad, exhausting first term was over. There was just one final ordeal to get through before he could begin to relax. His last proper lesson with 8Y4 was that Friday afternoon, and he had warned them repeatedly that they were going to do another exam conditions assessment. They received this news with the same blank insolence as they did everything else, having maintained their campaign of icy silence right to the death. He had thought of caving in for a quiet life, but when he sought out Jim for some advice, he was unequivocal. No, don't do that, Ed. It's absolutely essential you see this through to the bitter end. You can't afford to show any weakness now, lad, not after you've held out for so long. Believe me, it would be disastrous. In January, that's when you can lighten up a bit. And so he girded his loins for another 60 minutes of the waves of personal hatred that would emanate from the rose in front of him. At one point in the lesson, the door opened and Mr Chapman slid into the room. He stood in the doorway and noted with quiet approval the immaculate working atmosphere of the class. So engaged in their work were they that no one looked up from their writing to see who the new arrival was. Chapman looked across at Ed, smiled and gave him the thumbs up before backing out of the door and closing it carefully with a soft click. Gabriel looked up at the door at that moment and smiled his blank ice blue smile. On cue, everyone else in the room did exactly the same and for a split second all 30 students were beaming at the closed door. There was a sudden flicker of the lighting and then they all turned back to their work as the lights reasserted themselves. A shiver went down Ed's spine. A couple of minutes from the end, Ed announced to the class, his voice sounding unfamiliar 
as it broke the blanket of silence that lay over them all. Okay, year eight, stop writing now, please. Make sure you put your name, the title, and today's date. Underline all three of those things. Have your papers on the side of the table ready to collect. Gabriel, can you go around and collect them in, please? Gabriel stared at him, unblinking. Ed, tired of all of this now, irritated that even now, in this final minute, this ridiculous charade of a challenge was still present in the room. He raised his voice, his anger and impatience finally breaking through. Gabriel, for God's sake, you just do as you're told straight away without these unpleasant theatrics. Collect the papers in, please, quick as you can. Gabriel stood up and moved into the aisle, his face as blank as a September exercise book. He began to walk down the aisle towards Ed. With every step he took, the rest of the class, gently but in perfect unison, banged their tables. Ed looked around, furious. He screamed at them. That's enough! Stop that at once! Silence! The banging stopped immediately. They all stood up from their seats in perfect unison and began to file out from the rows, filling in the aisle behind Gabriel, all walking in step, each one with a terrifying, fixed smile on his face. The lights dimmed and thirty pairs of blue, glowing eyes stared on blinking at him. Ed stuttered, dry-mouthed. What, what are you doing? He looked at the door and took a step towards it, reaching for the handle. He turned it, but to his surprise it was locked. He rattled at it in a panic. Letting go of the handle, he stepped back into the centre of the room where he was confronted by the steadily advancing army of silent, staring, smiling students. His next step was backwards as they continued pace by pace and he backed against the wall and could go no further. They pressed against him. Suddenly, from the corridor, he heard the familiar click of a pair of shoes striding down. He tried to call out, but no voice came. Outside the room, walking down the corridor, infused with Christmas cheer and goodwill to all men, was Jim. Just another couple of days to survive next week, and then came the blessed relief of the holiday. Even after 35 years, he hadn't tired of the rush that that prospect brought with it. He thought he'd look in on Ed and just check all was well. His strategy for 8Y4 seemed to have worked pretty well. Certainly there was never any shouting or disturbance from his classroom when they were in there with him these days and Ed seemed to think there'd been some improvement. But still, Jim worried about him. He often seemed tense and distracted, and it had been a long while since Jim had seen him laugh. He stopped outside the classroom door and shook his head. It's not worrying over nothing. The lad just needs a holiday like the rest of us. It'll be right as rain when he comes back in January, he thought, a smile on his face. He opened the door and popped his head inside. The room was empty. Blimey, he got out here quick. Must have something on tonight, the young rascal. 
He stepped inside and saw that on the teacher's desk was a neat pile of exam papers and on top of that was a pale blue business card. He reached over and picked it up. It was Ed's. His hesitant half-smile was flanked by all of his details. Email address, mobile number, school details. This had been a recent initiative from the school. A fake business model accessory that drew withering scorn from Jim when it had been first introduced. He popped it in his pocket for safekeeping. He doesn't want to leave this line around so some kid can ruin his Christmas for a laugh, he thought, closing the door behind him. Inside the room, there was a flicker of the lights and a creaking of the walls and the December wind that moaned outside. It was the end of January when they finally managed to find Ed's replacement. A newly qualified teacher who hadn't found a job last September happened to be available. Both she and the school were delighted, although there were some concerns. Mr Chapman, who had interviewed her, thought her a little timid and was worried that she'd find it all a bit too much. But beggars couldn't be choosers and they would all just have to do their best. Anna started on a Friday and found herself sitting in the English department office with Jim just before her last lesson of the day. It had been a bit of a whirlwind, but everything had gone pretty well and she was feeling that she might be able to settle down here. At least everyone seemed friendly, even senior management, and that had not been her experience in the schools she had done teaching practising. So, I still haven't quite worked out why there was this sudden vacancy. There's nothing I should know, is there? I'm not walking into some horrible situation. Jim sipped his coffee. No, uh, nothing like that, Anna, is it? Anna, yes? No, a bit sad story, actually. Anna looked concerned. Oh, yes. Why was that, then? Oh, Ed's, the lad that was teaching here before you. He was an NQT as well. He was very good, a bit of a natural actually. We all thought everything were fine. And then out of the blue in the last week before Christmas, he didn't come in. He sent an email saying he decided that teaching wasn't for him. He wanted to go travelling or whatever it is you young people do these days. He was very apologetic and grateful and all of that, but that was that. We never saw him again. Oh no, that's terrible. She was a little more concerned to hear that her predecessor had been a natural and very good. Suddenly, all of the old doubts crowded in on her again. Aye, it was terrible, and that weren't the only thing. We heard later that his mother died in the holidays, run over by a cab in the street in Singapore. Tragic, really. Jim subsided into a gloomy silence while Anna awkwardly drank her coffee. Finally, he roused himself from his thoughts. Anyway, that's enough of that. Now then, you've got 8Y4 next lesson. They're a little bit awkward, but nothing to worry about. I'll give you the same advice I gave Ed. Going hard, whatever you do, don't smile before Christmas, or in your case, July. A look of terror flashed across her face. 
Now then, Anna, don't worry yourself. Rappers will take you in and give him the evil eye. I can pop in and check everything's okay. You'll be fine, trust me. And so Anna eventually found herself at the front of the room, facing 8Y4. Mr Chapman had indeed introduced her as the new teacher, and had somehow put the fear of God into them, with a raised eyebrow and an icy voice. The class sat in silence, angelic, with perfect uniform and equipment, staring up at her in expectation. They stayed like that even after Chapman had closed the door behind him. Anna started to explain her expectations and what they were going to cover that term. Her voice, faltering at first, grew stronger and clearer as her confidence increased. This was the longest time she'd ever been able to speak to a class without interruption. She reached a pause and moved on her PowerPoint slide. A hand went up from a student on the back row. She looked up. Yes, sorry, I don't know your name. Gabriel, miss. Well, Gabriel, what can I do for you? Sorry, miss, what was your name again? Miss Kowalski. She turned to the board, wrote out her name. Are you going to be our teacher for the rest of the year? Yes, I am, Gabriel. We're going to be learning such a lot this year. Wicked. I'm sure you're going to be better than the last one. He was hopeless. Anna frowned. She felt uncomfortable about being drawn into this kind of criticism. Well, she began, I I'm not sure that... Gabriel suddenly broke into a dazzling smile and all around him the rest of the class looked up at Anna and their faces too were wreathed in beaming smiles. All except the boy sitting next to Gabriel, his white blonde head bowed. The smiles stopped and the boy, his face now raised, pale as raw sausages, put his hand up. Gabriel shouted out by way of explanation. He's new, miss. Don't shout out, Gabriel, please. Now, young man, what's your name? He blinked and looked puzzled as if he wasn't sure. Your name? Anna repeated patiently. Edward, miss. My name is Edward, he croaked, his voice seeming to come free from some invisible mooring somewhere. He opened his mouth again to speak. There was silence and everyone waited. A bead of sweat appeared on Anna's forehead. The silence pressed down on them all until his words were finally formed and released. I'm so pleased you're here. We're going to have so much fun now. And he smiled. If you enjoyed that story, why not try my first novel, Zero Tolerance, a satire about education secondary schools in England. It's available via my blog site, www 
growl.blog where you can find all the links.